0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Always, it's good to be with you. If I have not met you yet, my name is, well, by birth, it's Ryan. But forever, uh, I've gotten this nickname, Riz. Tell you the story later, but you can call me Riz. We're we're friends. Um, But welcome, if you're here for the first time, thanks for coming. If you this is like the hundredth time, we're so glad you're here. Also, Uh, before we get into the Word of God, we have some announcements. But before we get into announcements, we actually want to continue our time of worship as we take our morning tithes and offerings. And um, this is an another way that we worship the Lord. You know, we just did it in song and through music, but um, God has richly given to us. He's a generous God, and as image bearers, uh, we are to become generous people. And uh, one of the ways that we can worship Him is with uh, what he's already given us, and it's with um, our time, talent, and our treasure. And it's also a part of how we can tangibly be a part of God's kingdom going forth here in Hawaii and in the world. And so um, there's two ways you can do that. One is online through your phone or through the website, and there's also a box in the back. But let me go ahead and pray that God uses these funds for his glory and his name, namesake, and then we'll get into some announcements. <clears throat> God, thank you. Thank you that you are God and this is your church. You're the senior pastor. You're the leader. And God, we ask that you'd continue to use this church for your glory, for the furthering of your kingdom that many would come to know you and be saved and be discipled and we just ask that you'd use this church for your glory and so bless these funds, give us wisdom and discernment of uh, how to how to use these funds for your kingdom. God, we're also mindful of all the kids going on, um, nursery and toddlers and elementary and middle and high school. It's all happening uh, outside right now. We ask that you would bless them. You pour your spirit upon each classroom, and you'd anoint each teacher as they're loving and caring and and, uh, pouring into the kids. We ask that you'd meet our kids as well. Um, We love you, Lord, and we ask that you'd uh, have your way with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I just have two quick announcements, but really fun, exciting ones for us before we get into the Word. Number one is we're doing fall worship nights. I'm really excited about this, and really the vision, the purpose is just to have extended time as the body of Christ gathering to worship our God. We're going to be doing it on three Friday nights. Uh, Dates are right there, September 20th, October 18th, and November 22nd. They're all Friday nights in this room. And uh, family, bring your kids, I know it's like a little later, but have some dinner, miss some traffic, and then come worship at 7 o'clock. And it's going to be a combination of worshiping the Lord and and exalting His name, and also uh, praying and asking God to move and thank Him for what He's doing, and also just to press in and ask God to to continue to move in our midst. So love for you guys to mark your calendars, come to those, invite friends, invite family, um, just... Other than worshiping Jesus and seeking His face, there's no agenda. So, really excited about that. Really excited about the fall pressing into the Lord more. And uh, if you've been with us, you you would know that we're actually coming up on our two-year birthday as a church. Pretty crazy, exciting, amazing what God has done in uh, two years. And so. Uh, October 6th, Sunday, October 6th, we're celebrating and just rejoicing, thanking the Lord for who he is and what he's done. And uh, it, it will be more or less a, a normal service, so to speak. But then afterwards, um, if you're here for our first birthday, we had tons of poopoos out there and drinks and ice creams and just hangout time, just fellowship and no agenda other than eating and talking and uh, having a great time just rejoicing in what God has done. And so, again, mark your calendars. Like, lunch that day. Don't make any lunch plans. Errands can wait till, like, 1.30. Just, like, around noon, like, right after church ends, we're going to go out there and just rejoice and celebrate. So love to have you uh, October 6th for our second birthday. Amen? All right. Without further ado, let us get into the Word of God. Uh, Exodus is the book that we've been in. And so why don't you turn there to Exodus chapter 20. Um, If you... What we've been up to... Uh, specifically for those that are visiting or, or just catching up, we've been doing um, an expository verse-by-verse study that we started right after Easter that we've been in each week in the book of Exodus. Uh, Exodus has been such an incredible picture, you know, of the redemption and salvation of, of God to a specific group of people, Israel. Um, but it's also been a picture or a foreshadow pointing to our own redemption and our own salvation from sin that we find in Christ's work upon the cross. Uh, it's been great. It's been amazing. If you, if you missed it, and if you want to catch up, it's all online, podcast. You can go and, and check it out. Um, <clears throat> but let me go ahead and pray for our time before we kind of read our text today, uh, and, then, and then we'll get into it. God, we thank you for, for the text that you have us in. God, we thank you for this place. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And God, we receive your word as your word today. God, as God breathed and God inspired and we put ourselves under it, under the authority of it for our lives and say, uh, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Have your way with us. God, we wanna be a people that love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And out of that informs the way we live. And so, God, would you meet us where we're at? Some of us are, 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 don't know you. Some of us maybe kind of know you, trying to figure it all out. Some of us maybe, uh, so to speak, grew up in the church. Been, been for this for a long time. Meet us where we're at for your glory. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, You know, chapters-wise, well, it depends on what you think, but we've been going fairly slow, even though we've been bigger chunks. It's, you know, been about four or so months to go through about 20 chapters. The next 20 chapters, there's 40 chapters, right, in the book of Exodus. These next 20 are going to be a little bit different. Um, The second half of the book, we may chew on, like, several chapters a week due to the nature of and the content of the writing. And so we're actually looking like maybe like six or eight more weeks of our study of the the book of Exodus. Took like six months to get here, and it's a little shorter on, on the back end. But it's so rich and relatable and so expectant for God to move. And so today, we continue our story in the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 21. And one more note before we read it. These chapters that we're in. Chapters 19 through 24 in the book of Exodus are the central point of the book of Exodus. Even like the entirety of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Specifically, this covenant that we spoke about last week made between Yahweh and Israel at Mount Sinai. And I encourage you, if you haven't, to, to listen to last week to kind of pick up talking about this covenant that, that, that God is entering in with his people. But all that we're reading, before we read it, just to give you a mindset, Israel is camped out at the foot of Mount Sinai, and they are going to be here. They're going to be here all through the rest of Exodus, all of Leviticus, and into Numbers chapter 10. Israel is camped out at the foot of Mount Sinai, receiving all that God has the law, instructions, the commandments for a whole calendar year. Like two and a half books of the Bible are set to this. And in the timeline of Genesis, even Exodus so far, it's a big deal in the plot line of the Bible that two and a half books of the Bible are camped out at the feet, at the foot of Mount Sinai, hearing from the living God, Yahweh. So let's read Exodus 21 through 21. Let's kind of set it up for us. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below." Verse twelve: Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land and the Lord your God is the, the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled in fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we'll listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. All right, so this is the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are pretty classic, Right? Like, um, I've got some pictures for you. If you know this movie, Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments. Like, right? We have that that picture, maybe, if you're into that movie. You have the picture of the Ten Commandments as Moses, you know, Charlton Heston as Moses. Or maybe, like, if that's a little too old for you, maybe it's uh, Prince of Egypt. I can't really see it, but the end of Prince of Egypt, you know? It's Moses with the Ten Commandments looking over the people. Like anything, um, even if you're not a believer, Ten Commandments are something you know about. Um, it's something you're familiar with. It's, 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 it's a classic. It's a Sunday school classic, so, so to speak. And the danger to that sometimes, like anything that you're familiar with, even if it's something you don't really understand, but it's, you know, something even possibly dramatized. We can just so often think of like, oh, it's two tablets with some things on it or Oh, you know, like America wanted the Ten Commandments in the courtrooms. And oh, yeah, you know, but I don't really know them. I don't really know the significance to it. And that can be the danger sometimes. We can be so familiar or we know about it so much or we've seen movies that we really miss out on the depth or the significance or the meaning or the context of what they are and what's happening. And so what I want to do is um, more or less give like an intro to not only like what the Ten Commandments are, but what the law is, we're going to do that again more next week, uh, but really not dig in too much into every single one of the 10. They're actually pretty self-explanatory. Uh, do not murder. That's what that means. So it's not like we're going to do that today, but I, I really think it's, it's important that we grasp like the why and the what, and, and what are they, and what's the purpose of them, and, and what, what's the larger picture that, that's happening here. So, so in, the, in the time, Right? thousands of years ago, in the context of Middle East at that time, Egypt and Israel, going to be Israel, nobody like, is loving and living for God. It's not a thing. Nobody's, nobody's like worshiping Yahweh besides Israel. And even they, they're learning and growing and really struggling with this idea that Yahweh, the God of the Bible, creator God, is their God, that they're to worship and follow and live for Right, they just came out of Egypt, a very polytheistic land. They specifically had 114 different gods they worshiped for different things. Not one God, not Yahweh, not the God of the Bible, not this God. That's at Mount Sinai speaking to Israel. Not only Egypt, but around them, everyone was just living to please themselves. Very pagan. And the land, right, the promised land that Israel left Egypt, they're in the wilderness, they're at Mount Sinai, they're going towards the promised land, right? The God told Abraham in Genesis, Abraham, one day, your descendants, I'm going to give them a land. This is the Abrahamic covenant that we spoke about last week. They're going to inherit a land. But in that time, there there was people groups in that land. In the land of Canaan, which is now part of what is now modern-day Israel, was filled with other people groups worshiping their own gods. And so part of God's covenant and his promise and his plan was that this nation, that he promised Abraham, thats now it's forming in the people of Israel, that they would bless the whole world through their lives. Right, so the nation of Israel was to be the vehicle of blessing and salvation to the nations, to the rest of the world, the rest of the pagan world. So this people group, again, it's a big people group now. It's two and a half million or so Israelites. This is the nation of Israel that would be the vehicle of blessing and salvation to the world. Their purpose, primarily was that their lives were to be lived in a righteous and holy God-glorifying way so that in the midst of all these pagan nations, that they would reflect and show Yahweh to the nations around them as the one true living God. That through Israel, the world would come to know and love and obey the creator and father God we know as Yahweh. So, This is the context that's happening here. So the Ten Commandments, they're actually part of 613 laws given in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So 10 of hundreds of different statutes, laws, and ways of life. The law that we're going to get into in the next couple weeks as well, it's kind of part one. The law really is, in a nutshell how the lives and society of Israel should be set apart and different to model and show that they're the people of God to everyone around them. Set apart, they're different. They don't do things the same. They don't act the same way. They don't treat people the same way. And it also in terms of the covenant that God has made with them in order to, to walk and live in this covenant What these are, the Ten Commandments and the law, these are the terms of the covenant. Like in order for Israel to to be in a covenant with God, they needed to obey these terms. God had all this in store for them and this is what he promised them and he had freed them and saved them. And now in light of that, the terms of the covenant are laid out here in the Ten Commandments and the law. What they should do and what they shouldn't do and how their lives are supposed to be. This is a blueprint. These are instructions. This is a a new way of life. Maybe a a rewiring for them as a people group. But what's really important to get is who is speaking them. I think it's really neat here that, that God is speaking them. He's always been speaking, but a lot of times he's been doing it through Moses. Now he's, he's directly speaking the Ten Commandments to the people. Verse 1 we, we, we read today, God spoke all these things. Who are the Ten Commandments from? From God. Who's the law from? From God. This fact is wonderful. right? God spoke these ten words directly to Israel rather than through mediator Moses in this in this situation. And the people were so awestruck by this experience that when God was finished in verse 19 of our text today, they asked Moses, we can't do that again. God's too holy. He's too awesome. He's too powerful. He's a little bit scary. I'm a little scared right now. I don't know what to deal with this. He's so wonderful. He's so awesome. In verse 19, he says, Moses, uh, next time, can you just be the mediator? One commentator says this, The people, Israel, heard the voice of God for themselves and thus could not doubt his presence among them. A presence more directly manifest at Sinai than in any other mode previously, since they had first learned of his interest in them. All throughout the book of Exodus so far. All the people were hearing the voice of God just as Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, and the patriarchs had heard it, and as Moses had heard it earlier at Mount Sinai when God first called him. At this time, the voice of God was accompanied by such audio and visual displays as to leave no doubt in their minds as to both his presence and his uniqueness big deal, What's God's doing to humanity right now and how he's speaking and the way in which he's doing it. And what's also important to note here and just to see is like the literary connection that is made between Exodus 20 and actually creation, right? Because like in the creation narrative, how did, how did God create the whole universe? God spoke it into existence, By his very words, the world came about. All the animals, men and women, all creation. And in a very real way, like the entirety of creation, like depends and hangs upon the word of God. Right, our creator God. What we believe is that he spoke the world into existence. And here, fast forward thousands of years, Exodus 20, the start of the book of the covenant here, this is what forges Israel into a nation. This is like her national constitution, so to speak. And it's these 10 words that are bringing about the birth of this nation. And like creation, Israel as a nation hangs upon these 10 words for her very being. Without them... Or without obeying them, well, they're just like everybody else. They're not set apart. They're no different. The covenant is broken. Right? And many people would leap past maybe verse 2 when reading the, the, you know, the 10 words, and they miss the the important ordering here. But the Bible never, like, actually, it's kind of fun, never refers to the 10 commandments as the 10 commandments, just the 10 words. So the 10 words here, before the 10 words, a statement about God's salvation is made. Did you see that? God's speaking these things, and before he says, like, all these terms of the covenant, he reminds them of what just happened in the Exodus story, right? He said, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a place of slavery. So God just doesn't, like, gather his people, and he says, hey, here's a bunch of do's and don'ts, just just because you got to do it. It's wrapped up in salvation, right? This is the gospel too, right? God frees us by his grace. He gives us a new life. And then what does he do? He calls us to obedience to his words. He saves us. He redeems us. He rescues us from sin. And then he says, okay, this is what you as an image bearer, as a follower, as my creation, this is how you ought to live now. See, God's people, we should desire to do God's will because we've already been saved, not not to earn our salvation. There's a big difference there, right? We're saved, and we obey God because we love God, but we're secure, but the way in which we love him is we obey him. Not the other way around. It's not like, okay, let me just try to be better and do better and do the right things and maybe try to read my Bible and just not sin as much and then maybe God will accept me and love me. That's not the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus does all the work on the cross for us. He saves us. He takes our sin and then he says, you're new now, walk with me. And so as a believer, as a people We should desire to obey God's plans and purposes and word because of our love for him and what he's done for us. Amen? This is critical to have that right understanding of salvation and obedience in that order. So the 10 commandments, like at a comprehensive level, these 10 words may be divided into two parts. Love God and love people. The first hang on the command to love God um, since they describe the ways to show loyalty, covenantal loyalty directly to him. The last six of the Ten Commandments hang on the command to love neighbor as self. So the first four are like the vertical commandments, you would say, and the last six are the horizontal commandments, um, just to kind of to grasp it, to understand what's going on. And, and order is important here. What's important to understand is that the Ten Commandments express God's character. They aren't just arbitrary. They're not just good. They're not just something to hold society together. The commandments literally reflect God's character. They're not just a list of rules. They're a reflection of God. Some would say God's nature is expressed in these moral imperatives. So so it's not just a bunch of rules. It's actually God's heart, God's character, expressed in moral imperatives, things in which we do to, to mirror or to show his character. And again, at the core of who we are, we are, as men and women, Image, made in the image of God. We're image bearers. We are to bear the image of God. So what the Ten Commandments do, and with the rest of the law, but let's just talk about the Ten Commandments today. The Ten Commandments, what they do is they put meat to the bones of what an image bearer is. They give us some practical ways in which our identity is lived out. Because if you were to say, well, you were made in the image of God. Well, what, what does that even mean? Well, first you need to know who God is and what God's about and what's near to his heart and what's his character. Is he faithful? Is he just? Is he merciful? And so what the Ten Commandments do is they, they take this, like, creation etherealness and they go, this is what it means. This is what it means to be an image bearer. To bear the image of God is wrapped up in these things. Do these things. So the first four. These commandments, again, tell us how to love God appropriately. How to love Him appropriately. And again, as Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments, John 14:15. And so our love of God is reflected by our obedience to his words. But right, here's the first four commandments. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. No, just I'm God. I'm the Lord your God, who saved you, who redeemed you, who created you, and there should be no other gods in my place. That wasn't clear enough. Number two. You shall not make for yourself an idol or a graven image. That's what that means. We're going to see that Israel messed up pretty bad with a golden calf. That's, that's what God's talking about here. Don't make anything that you're going to worship that's not me. Don't replace me. Don't put anything else in my place. I'm God. I created you. I saved you. I redeemed you. I have plans and purposes for you. Everything else is a counterfeit. Most important. Number three. These are the most important here. You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. My name is holy. My name is wonderful. It's Yahweh. It created you. It sustains you. It saves you. Don't take it in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. If God rested, we should rest. Creation. Creation. It's it's a little bit weird, right? God, you you created for six days and you rested on the seventh. There's purpose because it images what we should do. It points to what we should do. Sabbath day, you know, usually is a Sunday. That's why we have it. But it's really important if you work on Sundays or whatever. The the whole point is to, you need a day to be with God. That doesn't mean you can't do anything else. Doesn't mean you shrink your responsibilities and leave your family and go into. Doesn't mean that. But it means that you set apart a day so that you can be refreshed and restored and renew and, and, and reconnect with your God. And to step back and enjoy that all that he's done and realign yourself. These are the first four commandments. It tells us how to love God appropriately. Again, I know that I'm like so surfacy in those. We're going to come back a little bit. These are the first four. These are the way in which we love God appropriately. And the, 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 the last six, again, involve treating others properly. Again, these are instructions. These are the start of a lot of instructions of how different we're to be when reacting in our hum- than just in our human nature. Right, these these are representing who God is, that he cares about life, that he cares about other people, that he extends mercy, that he extends grace, that he extends honor. There's a lot in these. But the, the point is, is that this is God's design and desire for them. This is, again, their new moral or ethical code they're there to live by. So here they are, right? Honor your father and mother. Like, Yeah. Yeah, you should do that. It's complicated. All of us have different stories and it's messy, but, but we should honor them. Shouldn't murder. Pretty obvious. Don't do that. Don't commit adultery. Pretty obvious. Don't do that. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. These are pretty basic, but also what God is trying to get to is he's trying After you you get the idea that first and foremost, what should you do? You should love me. But what what is secondarily as important to my heart? It's people. It's other people and the way you treat them. Even though these were God's people, right? Israel, the apple of his eye, his special possession, that doesn't mean that he dislikes or likes Humanity-less, he is very concerned about all of us. And he's very concerned, specifically here, how the people of God treat those that are, aren't the people of God yet. Like, Christians should be setting the standard for how we treat the world. And unfortunately, as you know, we haven't been great at this. We actually maybe haven't been even, we've been bad in a lot of ways. It's hard, it's messy. Yes, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to do in this area. But in a nutshell, what's happening here in the 10 commandments is our devotion to God, like the first four, will keep us from breaking the last six. So our devotion to God Like our obedience to the vertical commandments inevitably affects our obedience to the last six, right? Like we won't scorn our parents or murder or commit adultery, steal, bear false witness or covet if God is our ultimate treasure whom we honor with our lives and with our lips. Again, this isn't just a set of do's and don'ts. This is expressing God's character and what's so important is that we get the order right. We get the order right. Our devotion to God will directly affect our love for one another. It's pretty incredible. You know, we're going to go through, we're not going to go through all 603 other laws next week, but we're going to talk about a lot of the law in the next couple weeks, which the Ten Commandments are a part of the the entire law. But when, so, so all this is, right, this is the Old Testament, Let's fast forward to the Gospels for a second. Pharisees and the Sadducees always would confront Jesus. They would always come up to him. They're always trying to, you know, catch him in a lie or trying to trick him or trying to make him sin or whatever it was. And in Matthew 22, they asked Jesus, what is the the most or the greatest commandment in all the law? I'll just, I'll just read you the text, Matthew 22:36 36 through 40. They say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in, in all the law? Jesus replied, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All of it hangs on these two. As complicated as we can make all of this, when I mean all of this, I mean religion, Christianity, church, God, life. Have you noticed that we're really good at that? We're really good at complicating what church is supposed to be like what a relationship with God is. Like we're really good at taking something that's actually really simple and making it really complicated. And it's not meant to be so. What did Jesus say? Comes down to two very simple things in concept. Love God and love people. And you know, sometimes that's a little weird just to, you know, what's what's Christianity about? What's What's it all about? Love God and love people. It seems like such, come on, what else is it? No, no, I mean, it's, it's love God and love people. Obviously, we can unpack that. There's more to that. But in concept, it's really simple. Jesus is echoing what God is saying in Exodus. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love God with all that we are. And out of that love, we're to love others in the same way. Again, this is easier said than done. That is, it's, it's easier said than done. That's, that's for sure. Like with Israel. Israel, we will see. If there's any people that you think should do this right, it's the people of God that are hearing God on a mountain talk about this that just were rescued miraculously from slavery and the sea was parted. And like, if there's anybody that should go, okay, I should do these things. I should listen. I should obey. It's the people of Israel. Oh man, that is not the case at all. We'll see in only a few chapters. They, like us, are prone to wonder. They're prone to disobey and they're prone to replace the place that God has with something of such lesser value. And if we're honest with ourselves, like when played out over time and when we're confronted with things or maybe we're tempted, you name it, like we're prone to wander, to crumble and to turn. And the key here is that we need to walk as sons and daughters and as his beloved, as the covenant of people of God. Right? We need, to, we need to love God. We need to do it in God's power and God's strength and we need his help to do it. I know that's kind of weird, but we do. We need God's help. God, God help me. By the power of your Holy Spirit in me, I want to love you with all that I am. And so, so a takeaway from all of this Right, because to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's, that's more than 30,000 feet up in the sky. That is so ethereal, you can't even grab onto it. But again, what the 10 commandments do is they give us a little bit more meat. Well, what does that mean? Have no other gods before me. Don't put anything in my place. Don't worship anything else but me. It, it's bringing it home a little bit. And so for us, we, we've covered this before, but we may not have a graven image. We might not have an idol, a thing on our wall or a thing on our bookshelf or a thing in the corner of our room that we worship, but we have idols all around our lives. Again, an idol is something in our life. It could be a good thing that we make a God thing. And if you're honest, if you're married, there's times in your marriage where your spouse can become an idol. They're everything. I couldn't do anything without them. And again, there's a part of love that that's okay. But there is a point where that love for your spouse becomes the love that we should only have for God. It's tricky. It's muddy. It's hard to even detect sometimes. But a wonderful God-given thing, a gift from God, your spouse, can all of a sudden become your God. That, that's, what, that's what an idol would be. That would hinder you, hinder us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, because we're putting something else in the place of God. It could be something else like that's um, not inherently bad, but it could be like your job or 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 money or or that house or your dreams. Again, those things aren't inherently bad, but if you make them the God of your life, that if you lo- you, you lost your house, you lost your job, whatever then you would be crushed that you couldn't go on, that you couldn't live. Well, you've actually just made the thing your God. This is what, this is what idols are. And idols can be, be bad things, too. They can be other, other gods. They can be other things that you actually worship that, that aren't good at all. But the subtle part of idols, they can actually be good things. And so for Israel, for them, it, you know... Like, it was comfort. It was impatience. It was a different way of life. And so for them, they gave up, so to speak, the throne of God in their lives for, because they were impatient, because they were hungry, because they were tired. It was comfort. Comfort can be an idol. What's for Israel, it can be for us. And so if we're allowing the word of God to read us this morning, only in a right way, if we're, we're going to put ourselves in the life, if we're going to be this to be relatable for us in Hawaii in 2019, we have to ask the self is, okay, the greatest commandment that's going to inform the rest of my life is to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, have no other gods before me, have no idols in the way of that. Today would be a, like a heart check, like an assessment. What, what, what would we say? God's intention is not to rob us from joy, to take away good things, to to make our life miserable or to fill our life with a bunch of rules. That's not God's intention. God's intention was to be with his people and for us to experience like the fullness of his love and his grace and his mercy and his purposes and his promises. And when we put other things in the place, when we mess that up, when we... Don't trust him when we don't worship him, when we worship other things, we get robbed of that. We miss out. And so it's actually opposite. God's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm saying don't do that because that's robbing you from this. And so I want us to, to learn from what will be Israel's mistakes that they did not heed this. They did not take stock. They did not, like, sit on this and allow God to, like, search their hearts. But for us, we have the opportunity to do that. And what I love about Sundays is, like, it's, it's de- or when we gather, it's dedicated time with God. Again, some of us are better than others. You have, your are disciplined, and you get up early in the morning, and you have that, and but we get to study the Word of God, we get to hear what God says, and then we transition, which we're going to do in a second, into a few songs of worship. And that time is for response. So like, so for yourself, whatever God's speaking to you, you respond in that way. Maybe it's, uh, "God, I'm sorry. God I haven't I haven't been you're, you haven't been, so to speak, my God. Maybe it's on paper, but it's not been practically. And so for many of us, it might be surrender. And that might be like like really hard, but we got to go, you know what? That thing or that person or that stuff, that is not my God. That is not my life. That's not what I'm supposed to be living for. God's my God and everything else comes under that. So maybe it's surrender. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe you feel like you're kind of doing okay. Okay. But you just want to pray for like the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that all the days of your life you would love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what you should do right now. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to come. But I want to encourage us as a way of response, whether that's stand up and praise God because he's good or come up here to the carpets and kneel down or get prayer in the back or, or even take communion to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, whatever it is. This is a time to respond and to commune with Yahweh, the same God that was outside, the same God that spoke creation, the same God that was out Mount Sinai, same God that walked the earth, is our God today that speaks to us. And so let's let's respond, let's be, and let's commune with Him. Amen, amen. God, we thank you that you haven't complicated this. We complicate it. We get so caught up maybe with other people or with stuff or with how things didn't go well that we miss, we miss what this all boils down to. At the core, it's to love you With all that we are. To give you the entirety of our affection. To have nothing else in the place of our God. God, would you speak to us now practically for each of us in here. What does that look like? Maybe some, what are some weak spots? Or what are some areas that need attention? Or or what are some areas that God, you just, can 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 you encourage us in? To keep walking that way. But God, we do not want to fall into the same trap of Israel that they were so wrapped up with their stuff and their comfort and their own, you know, wants and their own expectations that they forgot about this, that they walked away, that they turned. God, keep us Keep our families, keep our marriages, keep our kids, keep our friends, keep this church from, from, from abandoning you as the one true living God. We admit that we live in a world that it's so easy to be swayed and jaded and turned off and lied to. And God, we ask that your, your truth of your word as we worship you right now would continue to, to sink in deep, that you would write it on the tablet of our heart. It would remind us of your original intent in creating us. So God, we worship you now for who you are and what you've done, because you are worthy of it. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.